And now he brought us to the second half of the message I started uh, two, two or three weeks ago called Carrying the Vision. And so I'm going to work on that again called uh, The Authority of the Vision. Now, it's very interesting to see how the Lord used Chuck to uh, bring the vision to give, the, give this house the vision that God has for the state of Florida. I'm going to share that again because that's important. The vision that God gave this house to each one of us that he has for the state of Florida. What the Lord has been showing me, and I'm still processing this whole thing, that God is shifting the vision of the house from being a local church into a vision that is focused on an entire state. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But it's very important that you and I carry vision. It's important that we carry the vision of the Lord. And with every vision that God gives, there is an authority that comes with the vision. There's also an accountability that comes with the vision. I firmly believe that many people have prophetic words and visions and dreams that have been put into them, but they have not been accountable to that dream and vision because they do not activate it or do what the dream or vision says. When the Lord gives you, Lauren, why don't you come over here and sit on this first or second row? You're way too far back there. You're supposed to be up here. Some of you others should be up here also, a little bit closer, get under the spout where the glory comes out. I will try not to spit on you. And uh, <laughs> you ever been on the front row and you've had a spitting preacher? preaching yeah come on down yeah come on down there's room for you on the second row as well now now I'm talking or saying or whatever they used to call it <clears throat> but there's an accountability that comes with the vision and that accountability is so important because many people do not see their vision or dream or prophetic word fulfilled because they're not accountable to what the Lord says about that. Just because God gives a prophetic word, dream, or vision does not mean that it's automatically going to come to pass. Most of the time, it depends on what we do with that word, dream, revelation that God has given. If we sit on it and put it on, or put it on the shelf for forgetfulness, chances are it won't come to pass and it will be handed down to another generation after you're gone. He gives you your lifetime to fulfill the dream and destiny God has placed in you. Let me say that again. He gives you your lifetime to fulfill the dream and destiny that God puts in you. If you put it off, it's passed over to the next generation. Because God's vision and plans for a state like Florida does not change. See, his plans for Israel did not change. The first group of people that came out of Egypt had Egyptian thinking and Egyptian sand in between their ears, and so they could not enter into the promised land. So God raised up another generation called the Joshua generation that was able to move into the land of Canaan, and they didn't have that thinking between the ears. The, the neat thing, and one, either Chuck or Dutch brought this out, is that Joshua and Caleb were 80 years old when they went in to possess the land. And Caleb said, give me this mountain, because Moses 
prophesied and gave that to me. I want this mountain. This is my inheritance. Now, Caleb's mountain had more giants on it and bigger giants than any other mountain. But he said, I want this because this is what God's given to me. Then he went on to say, even though I'm 80 years old, my eyesight hasn't left me. My physical strength has not left me. And I'm able to take this mountain. Then he offered his daughter to whoever took that mountain. And Othniel came along and took that mountain, so he received the reward of the daughter. Hopefully it worked out good. It doesn't go on to say. It tells us about David when he received Saul's daughter, and, and that didn't work out good later on. But hopefully Othniel's and his wife worked out good. So it's important that you have vision. Now God has given us a vision for Florida. And there's two things that come with that vision. One is authority. The second one is accountability. If you want more authority in your life, you have to be accountable. Without being accountable, you will not walk into more authority. And that's very important because a lot of people miss that because they don't flow in the proper accountability. Now, take out your hand out there. The Lord says in Acts 1 8, and God was given, God was releasing his vision to his disciples. 500 heard him say what we're about to read. But I promise you this the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you be, will be filled with power. And you will be my messengers in Jerusalem throughout Judea, the distant provinces, even to the remotest places on the earth. He begins sharing with him with them, his vision that he had. He didn't tell them, my vision is to prosper you. He didn't tell them, my vision is to keep you from any pain or any suffering or any persecution. He didn't tell them any of that. He said, this is my vision. The thing about it is when God gives a vision, he doesn't tell you about the black mummas and the giants you're going to have to face in the land. He just says, this is my vision. We get so excited because that's God's vision. And I'm receiving God's vision. And I'm going to do God's vision. And then all of a sudden you're going along and bam, there's a nine-foot giant right in front of you. Now, if you have a Joshua and Caleb mentality, you take that giant on. Let me share this with you. And I'm talking about taking on giants. I'm not talking about taking on people. This is very important that you get this. Because if you take on people, you're going to fail every time. That's a good word I just told you. If you take on people, you're going to fail every time. Those giants are spiritual. Paul talked about in Ephesians 6 that we do not warfare or wrestle or struggle with flesh and blood. We go against principalities, powers, minds, and dominion. So this vision the Lord has released, I'm excited about it, but I've been doing this since 1976, so I know what's in front of us. I know that there is a reward in front of us, but I know that, um, that there are enemies along the way. I thought I had a different thought, but I won't go there. But uh, <laughs> I know that there are enemies along the way that's going to try to keep us out of that vision, and that enemy is going to try to wear you down, wear you out, 
persecute you. And, and none of you, none of us here have really been persecuted. We talk about being persecuted. None of us have really been persecuted. You haven't been stoned. You haven't been, well, I have been spit upon. But you haven't been, you know, wounded physically or anything like that. And so most of us, when we fight the enemy, we call when somebody, we're, we're dealing with somebody else, we call that the enemy. And actually, you're fighting personality is what you're fighting. That's why you have to die to yourself. Otherwise, you'll continue to fight somebody's personality. And that's a good word right there. Thank you, Cheryl. Okay, Proverbs 29, 18 from the Passion Translation. Where there is no clear prophetic vi vision, people quickly wander astray. King James says where there is no vision, the people do what? Yeah. New American Standard says they cast off restraint where there is no vision. What happens is when there is no vision for a person or for a local house, people just start wandering astray. I, I have a, re re a revelation that there are prodigal congregations that have walked away from the passion of the Lord. They've walked away from the vision of the Lord. I'm convinced that there are prodigal preachers, both men and women in the pulpit, who are prodigals. They, go th they have become religious prodigals, carrying no authority, no weight. This is why, boy, this is going to really hit home and make somebody mad, especially somebody watching out there. This is why many people and churches have become seeker friendly and it because they've gone astray away from the vision when I walked in this morning uh, one of the ushers there door greeters there said you must be tired and I said yes I am but I can rest when I go to heaven right now I have work to do and Jesus said work while it is day just tired in my body I'm not tired in my spirit my spirit's not tired. I'm ready to go forward in the mighty name of Jesus. What is vision? Listen to this. It's discovery of God's plan. Not the discovery of your plan. Now, almost every young preacher, when they go into the ministry, the first thing they have is grandiose ideas about how big their church is going to be. That it's going to be the most awesome thing that ever hit the city. And all of a sudden, they find out after a year or two that it's not that grandiose. And so they have to begin altering. And when you're young, you think like it. You think, man, I'm, I'm the coolest thing that ever walked into the kingdom. No, none of you ever think that way. None of you have ever thought that way. Uh, I did. And several years later, I had to repent because I realized I wasn't. And, um, but... God's vision is having God's plan. It's a discovery, just like this weekend. A discovery was released in this house of the plans of God. Not the plans of man, but the plans of God. I get into it a little more. The Lord called it a coastal awakening. And then he laid out the strategy for the coastal awakening. Are we going to have to deal with the black mamba? Probably. 
We're going to defang it within two years, but that is not my focus. That's a giant I will overcome. It may come to me and, and sword and spear, but I will come to it in the name of the Lord of hosts, and this day God will give me its head in Jesus' name. That's what David told the giant. And by the way, when David confronted the giant, he never called him by name. He called him an uncircumcised Philistine because of the fact that the giant had no inheritance in Israel. Uh. Vision is also foresight with insight. Now that's important. It's not just foresight. It's not just seeing into the future. It's foresight with insight. This is important. If you have just foresight, Without the insight, then you're going to run up against those giants and all of a sudden you're going to turn tail and run. But if you have insight, you're going to see how to defeat those giants. And you're not going to take them head on. You're going to wait on the strategy of the Lord to come down from heaven. This is what David did. He waited for the strategy of the Lord. He went up before the Lord and he said, do I go after these Philistines? Will I overtake them? And I like that about him because he inquired of the Lord as should he go into this battle and will I be able to overtake them if I do now I love this and I'm giving people have been asking me and it's amazing that this has come up over the last two weeks I've had a couple of people tell me how do you deal with the backlash number one reason that people have backlash hit their life is because they step into an arena to fight the enemy that they have no assignment and they have no authority to take on. And they do it by, the, yeah, they do it by themselves. And so when you do that, all of a sudden, bam, backlash hits you because, one, you have to pick your battles. You have to make sure that your battles have been assigned to you by the Lord. Josiah did not pick his battle. He wanted to fight, so he jumped out there and fought. And even the king of Egypt told him, said, this is not your fight. The Lord has given me this fight. And so he goes and he disguises himself, comes back into, and an arrow pierces him between his shoulder blades and kills him before his time. The enemy took him out before his time because he stepped into an arena that he had no authority. So don't go after every giant that comes along. Just like over the weekend, we, we were making declarations and praying, and I had boo coodles of people come up to me. We need to pray for this. 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 You can't take all of that on. You take on what the Lord has given you, and you do just that, not anything else. Thank you. Vision is beginning a thing with the end results in mind declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done saying my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure Isaiah 46 10 this is a very good word God always decrees the end from the beginning it doesn't decree the beginning told the children of Israel you're going into Canaan land this is where I'm taking you he, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. He lays out the vision. And then little by little, he starts laying out the strategy. Clear prophetic revelation. 
It's important that you have clear prophetic revelation or vision. Many wander through life without any vision of what the Lord is doing or saying. Now, he just released vision this weekend. And somebody may say, well, I've never had a vision from the Lord. Go back and watch the video. There's a vision right there. Sometimes God's not called you to your own personal vision. He's called you to operate in the vision of the corporate body. So that's what Joshua did. That's why Joshua got promoted. Joshua was an attendant to Moses, and many in the body of Christ have not understood this. He was an attendant to Moses. He waited on Moses. He was always in the tent of the presence of God with Moses. And there were times that Moses would leave the tent, and Joshua stayed right there because the presence was so strong. When it came time for the shift, who received the mantle? Joshua received the mantle because it was passed down. So he received, he, he, he attended to the vision that God gave Moses, but then when it came time for a shift in administration, God shifted the vision over into Joshua. And he says, Moses couldn't do this, but you're going to do it. It's a good word. Whew. Feel some residue from the weekend. Thank you, Cheryl. <laughs> a vision of the Lord. First vision, listen to this. First vision is about relationship. You're never going to have a vision until you start having a deep relationship with the Lord. That's very important. Many people try to put vision ahead of relationship. But you're never going to be able to fulfill your vision unless you go deep into relationship. Now, one of the things the enemy tries to do, he tries to make us so busy doing good things like Martha did. So busy. Martha doing this and doing that. And Martha had a right heart. And then there was Mary, who was sitting at the feet of Jesus and had her focus on him. She was receiving revelation. Martha was saying, I'm the only one here that wants to see a move of God. I'm doing all this work. I'm the only one here who should be glorified. Jesus, don't you care that I'm doing all this stuff when my sister is not doing anything? He said, Martha, you've got this thing all backwards. He said, she's chosen. The one thing that... The psalmist talked about. She's chosen that one thing that's most important <clears throat> of all the other things. John, the revelator, had to be told by Jesus when he said, he, John pointed to Peter and said, what about this man? What are you going to tell him to do? And he says, if I tell him to sit here until I come, what is that to you? <clears throat> I like it. Sometimes, and you need to listen very carefully to what I'm saying. Sometimes God will call you to sit down and just receive from Him instead of working so hard. And there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes He wants you to slow down and, and just stop and just get in the presence of God. Just quit doing all this stuff that you're not going to be remembered for. Hello? 
What is Catherine Kuhlman remembered for? Yeah, healing. But there's another thing that we miss. We look at the healing. What was it? Holy Spirit. She never walked out on the platform until the Holy Spirit showed up. There was times that she would wait up till an hour. She always stayed in the back. When the presence of God hit the place, she came out and started ministering in power. She was waiting on him. Who were the people in Acts 13 waiting on when the word of the Lord came out about Paul and, si and Silas, or Paul and Barnabas? What were they doing there? The Bible says that they were ministering to the Lord. That's what they were doing. See, we've lost so much focus today because we're focusing on all these things that we do. Now, let me share this with you. I'll go a little bit more and I'm probably not going to finish this message today because I'm just getting revelation after revelation up here. Most preachers do not have, both men and women, a personal prayer life. They just don't. They don't get before the Lord. They spend their time administrating, thinking about how they're going to do things. They do just the opposite of Acts 13. How am I going to do this? How am I going to be the best at this? How am I, how am I going to get the most people in here? Not, it, not what, Lord, I want to be in your presence. What do you want, Lord? What are you saying? And there needs to be a revival in the pulpits today. I'm going to tell you, I've traveled across Florida and I've traveled across this nation. Most of the roadblocks to awakening revival is in the pulpit and not in the pew. Most of the roadblocks. Why? Because they want to control it. They want to control what the Holy Spirit does. And it's sad to say if we had revival in the pulpit, revival would break out in the congregation. So we need a revival of Him, Jesus. I need to decrease. You need to decrease. He needs to increase. First vision is about relationship. Intimacy with Christ should be first and foremost in our life. Listen to this. And this is what I'm going to say is very true. Many life issues could be instantly solved by having a deep relationship with Christ. Most of us have a deep relationship with ourselves. <laughs> it's true. We focus on us rather than on the Lord. And I'm talking about a deep relationship. I'm not talking about just being saved and coming to church. If you're just saved and coming to church, you're really not, I don't know. You, you just really haven't stepped into personal relationship with him in a deep and passionate way. And you haven't stepped into his vision because your relationship is about you not about him we want to be accepted for who we are and and mature people will accept you that way immature will not but a lot of the immaturity of wanting that is in us i want to be accepted just like we are isaiah chapter 6 verse 9 or verses 1 through 9 i'm not going to turn there but the lord said to isaiah he was, isaiah saw a vision of the lord 
and he was in the presence of the Lord. He saw that the presence of the Lord filled the temple where it says his train filled the temple. That's the presence of God filling the temple, filling you. And then he says, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I have seen the Lord and I can't stand in this presence because I have seen him. Then the Lord brings coal off the fire. Now, he's not literally going to bring a coal from the fire today off the altar and put it on your lips. But what he's going to do is that he's going to have you come to the altar so that you can receive that fire. And takes the coal off the altar, touches his lips, and then his iniquity passed from him. And a voice then, what happened was when the iniquity passed from him, when he got self out of the way, all of a sudden he could stand in the presence of the Lord. All of a sudden he could see the way the Lord sees. And then he heard a voice from heaven that says, who will go for us and whom shall I send? And here the prophet raises his hand and said, pick me, pick me, pick me. Our oldest granddaughter, uh, Taylor, she came along when that, what was that movie where it was Pick Me, Pick Me? Shrek, Shrek. And so she was always, she'd come to our house and she was always doing that. Pick me, pick me, pick me. And when she would do that, I, I thought about the, the, the heart of a child that Jesus talked about. And when Isaiah heard that word, he said, here I am, pick me. I'll go for you. I'll be your voice in the earth. I'll be your eyes in the earth. I'll be your prophet in the earth. Pick me. The vision of the kingdom is coming into the earth now. It says in Matthew 3, 1 and 2, Now in those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's Matthew 3, 1 through 2. And then in Matthew 4, 17, Jesus takes up the same message. The message doesn't change. He says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See, now, so much for copying somebody's message and, and redoing it. Jesus did it. Both John the Baptist and Jesus were echoing heaven. I call Dutch all the time. I say, Dutch, I need to know about the four, I, I just did this recently, the four weights that you talk about, because this is brewing in me, and I'm going to talk about them at some point, not today. And he started texting me back, and he said, this weight means this, this weight means this, this weight means this. But I, and so I, I knew what Isaiah 40, 31, that particular weight, and I may talk about it here, is quava, and it actually doesn't mean to, I'm waiting on the Lord, it means to tether or bind yourself to the Lord. It's what it means. You bind yourself or tether yourself to Him. Then you will soar on wings like an eagle. Then you will run and not become weary. You will walk and not faint when you tether yourself to the Lord. It is good. I get excited about it every time I read it. You also have to have a vision beyond yourself and here in Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, verses 5 through 10 in the Message Bible, the Lord is releasing a word to uh, Jeremiah that he's releasing to us today. And he says, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Now, see, this is why 
abortion, one of the reasons that abortion is so devastating is each one of those children in that womb have been known by the Lord before they're ever conceived. They're known by Him. And it says, before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you, a prophet to the nations. That's what I had in mind for you. Then Jeremiah says, but I said, hold it, master. Look at me. I don't know anything. I'm only a boy. Now look at what God says. God told me, don't say I'm only a boy. I will tell you where to go and you'll go there. I'll tell you what to say and you will say it. Don't be afraid of a soul. I will be right there looking after you. God's decree. God reached out, touched my mouth and said, look, I just put my words in your mouth. They've been hand delivered. See what I've done. I've given you a job to do among nations and governments. And most translations say kingdoms. And I like the kingdoms word better. But I like the way this brought it out clearly. Among nations and government, he said, this is a red letter day. I don't know whether you got it or not, but Thursday night was a red letter day for this house. It was a red letter day. I mean, Chuck just laid it out so plain you need to go back and see it again watch it again and it's a red letter day for us your job kingdom gate is to pull up and tear down and take apart and demolish that serpent and then start everything over building and planting this couple here don and barbara trees from up in palatka is it uh keystone heights Keystone Heights, Clay County, right? I've been there a few times. Well, I, 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 we broke the spirit of death off the school system with uh, Van Zant's son, Charlie Van Zant, because he was a school superintendent. I don't know if he still is. He was a school, but they'd had two or three suicides within one month, all girls. And we went up there, and I, I got among a bunch of Baptist folks and taught them how to pray because I knew they didn't know how. And, uh, and we prayed and broke that thing off that county school system. These people here are all the time, I thought about this, when Chuck said, you're going to give assignments for people to stand in the gap. They're always contacting me by Facebook and saying, what do you want us to do? Always. And I gave them assignments. They've been going to county courthouses now for how long? A month or two? Since August. Huh? Nineteen counties they've gone to to release the word of the Lord. See, that's, that's part of the tearing down and then building process. You've got to have a vision for your family, your city, your state, and nation. This is Acts 1.8. So you shall receive power and the Holy Ghost come upon you. You'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth, maybe overseas. Somebody asked me yesterday, did you have a passport? And I don't have a passport. And the reason I don't right now, my focus is on Florida and this nation. I don't need one. The secret place is the place of vision. Let's say this again. The secret place is the place of vision. Psalms 91 verses 1 through 2 says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and Him I will trust. Here are things that are found in the secret place. Number one, relationship. The thing you need to know about the secret place is the secret place is secret. And you may go there a couple of times and God moves it just to see if you're hungry enough to go find it again. It just makes you go deeper. Number two, relation, uh, vision is found in the secret place. A renewed mind is found in the secret place. Gifts and callings are found in the secret place. The commissioning of the Lord and protection from the Lord is all found in the secret place. It is not found in a Martha mentality. It's found in a Mary mentality. That's where you find all these things in the secret place. Accountability of, vi of vision. <clears throat> the Lord told Jeremiah, he said, I have plans for you before I formed you in the womb. It's important to carry out those plans. He had plans for you. He, you need to listen to this. I firmly believe this. Where you're living right now, people you're associated with, your work, the Lord has put you in that place. And you need to unpack your emotional bags and get busy working for the Lord. As, I'm going to share this with you. As long as you have your emotional bags packed, you're never going to have authority to do what God has called you to do. You have to unpack them. I know, because I was that way up until the year 2000. I moved here in 1988. Until the year 2000, I kept my emotional bags packed. I wanted to go somewhere else. I wanted to be somewhere else. I wanted to do something else. And when God called me to do the revival thing down over in the uh, Cherokee Sound in the Bahamas, I was just ready to move there. It's such an awesome move of God going on. I just said, I had a guy gave me five acres of land. I gave it back to him whenever I saw God wasn't going to move us there. The power of God was so strong. But then, all of a sudden, persecution broke out. People began talking negative about me. They put my name into the customs there to not let me in. They did let me in. But I knew then that my time there was over. And when I knew my time was over, I came back to Florida. I landed in Fort Pierce realizing my time was over there i knelt down twice i've done this one was when cheryl and i were in a bad storm and i didn't think we were going to make it she didn't either she was praying i was the pilot and uh when we landed in eleuthera bahamas i laid down on the ground and i kissed the ground because i mean you, you when you fly airplanes you've never been in most likely what i cheryl and i were in in a small plane god got us through that but then, when I came back from the Bahamas and landed in Fort Pierce, after the persecution, I laid down on the ground and kissed the ground because I knew that this is where God was sending me to. I came back from there with a new authority, a new vision, a new revelation about what the Lord wanted to do in Florida. I met Dutch Sheets that same year everything began to shift and change. 
You have to be accountable to the vision. And one of the things I want to say, and we're going to look at the vision in a moment, to Kingdom Gate, is that your vision now is no longer this house. Your vision is no longer yourself. Your vision is no longer me, and I'm not going to do it anyway. Your vision is no longer Pastor Kendall making you feel good. Your vision is no longer this being a place where this is a refuge. This now has become a, an equipping, sending center. It's what it's become. We've become accountable. Who do you fellowship with, Brother Ken? Go look at Chuck's word again because he put a, a, a thing on the uh, screen up there that says, know who you war with. That's where I fellowship. I fellowship among the warriors. You don't want to fellowship among the sissies. <laughs> you don't want to fellowship among the mamby-pambies. You want to fellowship with warriors. Why? Because they're taking ground for the Lord. If you were with the children of Israel that went over into Canaan land, who would you fellowship with? If you could, Joshua and Caleb. I'd want to fellowship with these guys because when I fellowship with them, they have so much authority in their life, that authority is going to spill over on me. I'm going to make myself one with them, and, and that authority is going to come into my life because I'm making myself one with them. Woo! Now, here we go. Habakkuk 2 in the New King James. I will stand my watch and set myself upon the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I am will answer when I am corrected. The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry in one place he said though it tarries wait for it now he says it's not going to tarry i like that the vision god has for florida is not tarrying any longer he released his plans so one of the things and he and i will talk about this more is that we have to stand our watch our prayer meetings on tuesday wednesday sunday morning need to shift and change we need to begin praying for the coastal awakening we need to begin praying for the move of God that's going to defang the serpent. See, the thing is, the thing is about the serpent, you don't have to talk about the serpent to defang him. Some of the ways you might defang him is through praise and worship. Some of the ways you might defang him is just speaking in tongues. My focus in this coastal awakening is not the serpent. The enemy would love for us to get our eyes on him. I realize he's there. I, I realize that, and I'm very aware. I've dealt with this pytho spirit in Florida, which I think is the same thing. Chuck just called it a black mamba. I, I think it's the same thing. I'm very aware of that. But my focus is on the vision, not on the enemy. My focus is on doing what God says we need to be doing and, then, and not on the enemy. Because if we'll do that, he's going to seize that with us. That's what Dutch said. If you decide to seize it, the Lord's going to decide to seize it with you. Woo! He says, stand your watch. People, listen to this. People with visions are not common. 
It's not common to have a vision. Not everybody in the church today is having a vision. And I'm not talking about having just an open vision. I've had those. But I'm talking about getting what was spoken here Thursday night and becoming a part of that vision, not your own. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to incorporate myself. I'm going to send myself into that vision. I'm going to take up the Lord's vision for Florida. I'm going to stand my watch. You and I will not be common people if we do this because vision is also not common. We're going to get on our watch. What God has called you to do, stand that watch because vision is coming to you. Caleb and Joshua refused to follow the crown. They followed God's vision. He goes on to say here that you need to watch. Now, when, whenever... Um, Habakkuk was releasing this. He was watching to hear what the Lord was going to say when he was corrected or rebuked, and the Lord didn't do that. He tells him, get this vision written down. Maybe not in the way that you and I would think of rebuke. You and I, a lot of times when the Lord, when we think of the Lord rebuking us, we think of him jumping on our case. Sometimes it's just realigning your vision. Sometimes that's what it is. That's what correction is sometimes. It's just getting you to see properly rather than to see in the way the enemy sees or the way man sees. That correction is sometimes getting you to see the way he sees. Get on your watch. What God has called you to do, stand that watch because vision is coming to you. Caleb and Joshua refused to follow the crowd. They followed God's vision. Watch through prayer, praise, worship. Vision is birthed in this. I, I, had a, I had an open vision that lasted two days in 2014. It's on my website. And it called, uh, I, I titled it, Travail to Prevail. And it's not travailing in the way you think of travailing. But I had a two-day vision of people being, I mean, just hundreds of people, the remnant actually, being in the delivery room and not being able to deliver. And they were overdue. If you didn't know anything about babies, when they get to 30, uh, uh, around 39 or 40 weeks, how many weeks do they carry? 40? And they don't deliver at that point. The doctor starts getting concerned and will do something to induce labor. Today's C-section is a common thing. I don't think it's all that good, but it makes it easier for the doctors. And... But they were in the waiting room. The thing that was holding up the delivery of God's vision for each of them, and go read it. There was people who had visions of awakening, who had visions of families coming to the Lord, who had visions of uh, powerful moves of God, healing and miracles. I mean, this, this thing went on and on. I, I mean, it just distracted me for two days. When it came on me, I was in a church service preaching a message, and this vision, bam, hits me. And was very distracting. I tried to, I had to follow my notes precisely as I was having this vision. I was doing multitasking, doing two things at one time. I couldn't preach the vision then because I had not processed it. Let me share this with you. Don't preach what you've not processed. It's very important. You process it. Let it become a part of who you are. And so, but I, the reason that they were not delivering is because every time they came up to the point of delivery, the accuser of the brethren came up to accuse them. 
and bring out some of things that were generational sins. Some they had not even done. Their family had in the past. But were generational sins that the enemy was accusing. Some were their own sins that they'd been forgiven of, but they kept, the enemy kept accusing. See, the Bible calls him in both Zechariah and in Revelation the accuser of the brethren. He likes to accuse. He likes to get you and I accusing one another. That way we don't have to focus on our insecurities and our own failures and our own faults. We can focus on somebody else's. He likes to get us to accuse in ourselves. And we start getting those negative thoughts. Well, he doesn't like me or you don't want me anymore or I'm not welcome. Give me a break. I don't have to walk up to you and pat you on the shoulder every Sunday to make you feel welcome. I'm here and I welcome you. That's all you need. I'm not mad at nobody, okay? Having said that, it goes both ways. Don't you forget, this month is Pastor Appreciation Month. Every October, and there's very few churches, including this one, that follow through on what it means to appreciate a pastor. I've had two people, I won't point them out, I've had two people that have come to give us gifts during this month because they see the value of appreciating. I know of churches that do it, and they give their pastor a fully paid week's vacation. I know some churches that are kind of wealthy, they give their pastor a brand new vehicle. I... I I was so blown away. Dutch told me this story about a church in Arizona. The, the, the leader and founder of this church retired, but had never been honored. They gave him nothing when he retired. The church was down to nothing when he retired, and he needed to retire because he wasn't carrying the vision of the Lord any longer. And another pastor came in, and it just took off. And it just started, bam, going like houses of fire. I, I preached a 6 a.m. prayer meeting on a, on a Friday morning at this church. 6 a.m. They asked me to come and do it when we were out there for the appeal to heaven. There were 300 people that showed up for the 6 a.m. prayer. I was blown away. I couldn't even get Cheryl to go with me. <laughs> She's not a morning person. But this pastor, just a few months ago, decided to redo the wrong that was done to the pastor by not honoring him. So he had him show up on a Sunday morning. This, this former pastor had no clue what this pastor and church was about to do. They brought him up there, and they honored him, and they put on the screen a brand-new four-wheel drive Ford pickup truck that they gave to him appreciating him well we would never do that to our pastor you haven't learned how to honor now see i used to not preach this but as a young pastor i would never say anything like this but i'm older now so who cares <laughs> and i'm not going to be offended i'm not going to be hurt or traumatized at all if you don't give a gift to me or give a gift to pastor kendall or to pastor alicia or pastor bryant and pam I'm not going to be offended at all. It's not going to hurt my feelings. I'm just telling you what you should do. You should honor. 
That went over well. <laughs> you've got to run. He mentioned here in the scripture, you've got to run with the vision. You have to put faith to your vision. Action will cause, you, you cause your vision to accelerate into its fullness. You need to do that. You need to start running with your vision. Start talking about it. If you, you've been called to miracle signs and wonders, you've got to talk about it. You've got to pray it. It's what you've got to do. But don't be like some of the people I see get on Facebook. They get on there and say, see, I call this, hence without works is dead. And they get on there and they talk about how they need a vacation. And they wish that they could have a vacation. And the next thing you know, somebody feels sorry for them and gives them a vacation. That is not God. That is hence without works is dead is what that is. It's the same thing they do on TV. Our granddaughter, Kenneth, the first time she saw one of them poor dogs, you know, that was, you know, had been abused and all, she was started crying. And she says, can we do something to help? Every time I used to see the starving kids over in Africa, I used to cry and weep and say, let's do something to help them. What it was, they were playing on my emotions. I will help them if the Lord tells me to. I don't mind doing that. Another, another guy I know, he had, a, he had hints without work, with works. He had hints with works, and he put on Facebook. He did this for several years. I'm believing God for a brand-new Toyota Tacoma four-wheel drive pickup truck. And he did it long enough that, that sympathy got into somebody, and they went and bought him one. And they said, look what God gave me. If God gave that to you, he would tell that person, not you. Yeah. Woo! He would tell that individual. I had, I had a guy, and I think I talked about this. I, I gave away a little over $800 to a family member because they were in a tight spot. And, uh, and so... I didn't think anything about it. I gave it to them. I joyfully gave it. I gave it without any hesitation. I didn't ask for it back. I actually told them, I'm giving this to you. You don't have to pay it back. And the following day, I'm down in Moorhaven where Donna and Driggers and Kelvin and Sherilyn live. I'm down there, and I had gone there to preach in a little place, and I knew I would not get a good offering, but I did it because of relationship. I think my offering was around $250, and you can't live on that. And, uh, I, but I did it because of relationship, and so I'm, because they're sons and daughters. So we all go to Denny's that night, and we're eating dinner, and I am leave ahead of the rest of them because i got to get up early and drive to Fort Lauderdale for another meeting. And uh, this guy, I'm walking to the car, he says, Hey, preacher, I want to talk to you. So I stop and... He reaches in his pocket and he pulls out a wad of money. And he says, I've got to be obedient to God. And I said, I don't want your money. He says, you're taking this money because I've got to be obedient to God. He got a little bit hostile, so I decided I better take the money. <laughs> and I said, listen, I don't need this. But it was $200 more than I gave. You see, God honors that, and that was not hence plus works. That was just faith without works and not having to say anything about it to anyone. Put faith to your vision. Timing, it's not going to tarry. Wait for it. We have a two-year window here. 
So we know the timing. Wait for it. Just like I told you the word a while ago, quava. In Isaiah 40, 31, the word wait means to tether or bind yourself to that. Now, I want to bring something out here. Here's what the Lord was saying through Chuck on Thursday night. The wind of the Holy Spirit is blowing and being released on both coasts. Now, see, what we have to see is because it was released here, we are now responsible for this word for both coasts. Not just me. You're responsible for it also. We're responsible for this prophetic word to be fulfilled. We need to talk about this. Uh, he actually saw it moving up and down the coast, and then it came and met in the middle. That's what he said. He said this will be called what? Coastal awakening. That's what it will be called. See, this is now the vision of the house. This will shift us into becoming an apostolic hub. We won't have to try to be an apostolic hub. This will shift us into being an apostolic hub because now our focus is not as a local church. Our focus is on a whole region called Florida. He also said, and I mentioned this a while ago, know who it is. Know who you're warring with. I'm going to begin to identify the warriors along both coasts. See, I have an, I have an advantage because I'm so well connected uh, along the state of Florida. So I have an advantage there. And uh, it's a good advantage. And I'm going to begin to identify. I'm also going to identify the storehouses throughout the region. Throughout these both coasts in the middle. What does that mean? Well I'm going to look for several things. One, who, who is having a store? Who is a storehouse of awakening? Who is a storehouse of worship? Who has a storehouse of evangelism? Who has a storehouse of money? I'm going to begin identifying all of those because these are storehouses that is going to help. I'm not going to have to do it by myself. It's going to help in this coastal awakening. Find the storehouses. He said, start ordering the harvest. And I saw this different than maybe you saw it. I, you may have saw it the same way. Instead of putting in an order for harvest, I started seeing a general Ordering the harvest. Ordering the harvest to come in. So there's two different kind of orders. I'm going to put an order in this afternoon at the restaurant I go and eat. So I'm going to put an order in for food. I'm going to have to wait on it. But this is a different kind of ordering. This kind of ordering is I'm going to be commanding the harvest. I'm putting an order in to the harvest. I'm going to start ordering the harvest. We have two years to defang the serpent. But what I really like about this is that the Lord laid out the strategy for doing this. I mean, he made it. I've never seen Chuck make something so plain. You, you need to be thankful that Chuck now does PowerPoint. Because if you have ever seen a true prophet without PowerPoint, you do not even know what they said. They are all over the place. It's, it's just crazy. He said, number one, to call for the watchman prophets. He didn't say watchman intercessors. He said watchman prophets. Now, what is the difference in a watchman intercessor and watchman prophet? A watchman intercessor will pray what they're seeing, but a watchman prophet 
will prophesy and command what they're seeing. That's a good word. The difference in a prophet and an intercessor. He said, call for the watchman prophets. So, Lord, today we call for the watchman prophets in Florida to come forth in Jesus' name. We command them to arise out of every region of Florida in the name of Jesus. Raise them up here, Lord, watchman prophets. We call for them to come forth in Jesus' name. Then he said, and I felt like this was directly, directed directly to me. He said, give assignments to stand in the gap. He didn't say, find out who will do it. He said, give assignments to tell them to do it. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I've already been going over in my mind these assignments. Who can I give this to? Who can I give Clearwater to? Who can I give Largo to? And they're about together. Who can I give Fort Myers to? Bradenton to? I, what watchman prophets are over there? Not just Christians. I'm not looking for just Christians. I'm looking for watchman prophets, so I have to begin identifying the watchman prophets. People who want to stand on the wall, because that's, we'll talk about that in a minute. I'm going to begin giving assignments across the state. Then he says this right here, and I've, I felt like this is for all of us, but especially this house. He said, extend the harvest boundaries. I feel like that too many times we allow the enemy to define our boundaries through our insecurities and our weaknesses and our shortcomings, the enemy magnifies those in our life, and then we define our boundaries according to that. God is telling us to extend our boundaries. When God, when God began calling me to the state of Florida, and this mantle began coming on me for Florida, I told the Lord, just like Isaiah did, I said, I can't do this. This, is, this was in 2000, 2001. I said, I can't do this. I'd stand in my pulpit, tell them what the Lord was telling me to do, and I'd tell them, I can't do this. I'd tell Cheryl, I can't do this. This went on for a long time because I saw myself not being able to do it. I saw myself not having harvest boundaries. I saw myself in the boundaries of my limitation. That's what I saw. My own weaknesses, that's how I saw myself. And so I just went around telling everybody, this is what the Lord says I'm going to be doing, but I can't do this. I mean, I'm just a country boy from Alabama. It's very evident by the way I talk. And finally, one day at the airport, I'm standing there looking at the airplanes. I say, man, I need to put that on Facebook. I want one of those. <laughs> Facebook didn't exist then. And I'm just standing there looking at the airplanes, wishing I had one of those. And uh, the Lord just speaks to me. I'm not, I haven't been talking to him that day. I did talk to him, but not that day. I, I had left the house and come to the airport. And the Lord says to me, just like this, just like your wife would say, fine. <laughs> he said, fine. If you don't want to do it, I'll find somebody else. I said, wait a minute, Lord, let's re renegotiate this. He said, there'll be no negotiations. He said, you're either going to do this or not. And I said, okay, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. I will do this. He said, then never allow can't and something I've called you to do to be a part of your vocabulary any longer. 
And I took it when it comes to what God has called me to. I've taken that out of my vocabulary. And um, now that's not talking about you. If you come to me and say, I need some personal counseling from you, Brother Ken, I'll say, I can't. You don't want it. <clears throat> I'm about to get there, sweetheart. <laughs> and then three days later, I'm back at the airport. This was during Sun and Fun, and Sun and Fun becomes a very lively place with all kind of different airplanes. So I went back three days later. I'm looking at the airplanes. I get a call on my Razor phone. Y'all remember those? It was a top phone in its day. I pulled out my Razor phone, and it was Stephen Strader. He says, Ken, the intercessors and I were in prayer this morning for you. And I was just blown away by them praying for me, but they knew the thing that God was trying to put upon me because I had already told them that I couldn't do it. Told Stephen that. And he said this, the Lord wants you to know if you don't want to do this, he's going to find somebody else to do it. I said, Stephen, I have that message loud and clear. Thank you for that prophetic word. I am going to do it. See, that was the vision of the Lord. God was saying, I want you to extend your harvest boundaries. You're not just focused on Lighthouse anymore, where I was the name of our church. And I say to this church also, your focus now is not this church. Your focus now is on the state of Florida. God has extended the harvest boundaries of this house. <clears throat> I know that some of you are going to be upset with this because you want the focus to be on you, and I'm okay with that. I'm not going to put a focus on you, but I'm okay with the way you feel. And then he, he said something else. Build the wall. Sound like Trump. Build the wall. Build the wall. Build the wall. And I, I begin seeing, as I'm meditating on this, we're going to start doing meetings up and down the coast of Florida. Building a wall of revelation, building a wall of vision, building a wall of worship, building a wall of intercession all along this coast. So I'm, I'm, as soon as the election's over, I'm putting my hat into the ring for this word right here totally. And this house is going to incorporate it into their prayers, into their worship, into their thinking, we're going to, Kathleen, we're going to build a wall around Florida. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to get these places identified on the coast, the storehouses, identify the watchman prophets, and then we're going to begin building a wall, start doing meetings, maybe just one Friday night. <clears throat> so all you need is one night. Somewhere along the coast, each coastline, and, uh, and we're going to incorporate the, prophet, the, the watchman prophets that are there. We're not going to try to go in there and say, hey, you know, this is my vision. We're going to incorporate them and let it become their vision also. We're going to use them. All we're going to do is become an activation point in their life. And then another thing that he said at the beginning of his word in 5779, is it? He said, decree that a watchman movement has begun. I've never seen strategy by Chuck or anyone else so laid out as to how we're to go forward. It flows right into the prophetic words that Cindy Jacobs and Jane Hammond gave this house. It has now become a part, that word Thursday night, 
of who we are just as much as the word by Cindy and the word by Jane has become. So stand to your feet. Come on up here, Alicia. I feel like we need to pray. And uh, we're going to pray for a little bit. And then we're going to uh, have the pastors come down in a moment. If you need prayer, they'll be here to pray for you.